0: Oh, Lord, we are here today, God, because we want to do that very thing, God. We want to build our life upon you, God, upon your love, upon the foundation, God, that never crumbles, that never falls, Lord, and it's you, Jesus. Oh, how we worship you right now. We thank you so much for being here with us today, God. Your presence is strong right now, Lord, and as we get into your word, God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, Lord. But the Spirit is saying today, that as our hearts are open before you, you would place within us, God, what you want us to do, to be, God, to live for. Jesus, we just want you. We need you, God. So I pray for your anointing upon your word today, and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. amen, amen. You can be seated. Hey, grab your Bibles. You can open them up to Second Thessalonians chapter one. 2 Thessalonians chapter one. And uh, merry Christmas! <laughs> Isn't this great? We're in the Christmas season. You can see we decorate a little bit just to just to celebrate Christ's birthday to give Him glory. And I love just this time of year because it's such a focus on Jesus Christ and. You know, I hope for you guys in your hearts that you do the same and that, you know, we can share that light. We can share that love and we can share the joy we have in this time that Jesus is Lord. And I know it's kind of a strange time for us to be in with the whole pandemic, but, you know, that doesn't stop. The joy we have it doesn't stop that Jesus Christ is the answer to all this and for everyone who's struggling and all it's it's Jesus you know and so let's just keep that focus on him this Christmas we're in Christmas isn't that great don't you love it come on yeah give give Jesus a hand yeah right on right on well we're going to continue in our study here through the book of second Thessalonians and the title of our message is future consequences to present Choices. Now, with that in mind, I was thinking about this poll that had uh, come back by the Barner, Barna <laughs> Research Group. And you know what they found out in this survey? That 76% of Americans believe in heaven, 71% believe in hell, but only 32% believe that hell is an actual place of torment and suffering. Now, while 40% believe it's a state of eternal separation from God's presence, 64% poll believe they will go to heaven in the future. Which is interestingly because the Barna group says that is in line with our human desire to believe only the best about ourselves. And I add this, because uh, it's also because many people don't think about the consequences to your choices. Someone said this, you are free to make whatever choice you want, but you are not free from the consequences of your choice. And I like that. It's so true. So today, I mean, this is what we find. I mean, it all pertains to Jesus Christ in our life. It all pertains to salvation he he gives us and how that affects, how we make that choice for Jesus today, and how that affects our eternal life in heaven or eternal judgment. And so in our passage, Paul writes on how God will bring justice in judgment to those who are persecuting the Thessalonian believers. So it's important for everyone to understand future consequences to present choices. That's our title this morning. Now we're going to be studying first second Thessalonians chapter 1 from verse 6 through 12. We're going to complete the chapter today and we're going to see three things and this is our outline. Number one, what tomorrow brings. Number two, what judgment means. And number three is what matters now, and this is what Paul is laying out for us here in our passage. So, let's begin. Our future cons- consequences to present choices—that's that's the idea overall here. But our f- number one in our outline is what tomorrow brings. What tomorrow brings, and here we're going to cover verse six and seven. But let's read verse six together first of all. It says, "It says here, since indeed God considers it just." to repay with affliction those who afflict you. Now, we'll stop right there. And Paul begins in verse 6 saying, Since indeed God considers. So when he says the word since, he's connecting us back to what he's been talking about. And he's saying, since you Thessalonians, you've been enduring persecutions. And if you remember last week, we saw that the life that that inspires you, the life that is inspiring, right? And he talked about how these Thessalonians, they were uh, abiding in Jesus. They were advancing in faith, abounding in love. And that very last thing that we saw, that they were anchored in patience. So they were enduring all the persecutions that they were going through. And so in all that, Paul goes on to say, hey, you know what? Indeed, well, as you're going through these persecutions, indeed God considers it just to repay with afflictions those who afflict you. So, God is just, and He looks at what's going on as wrong. So He's going to bring justice and repay that affliction by afflicting them. So, in other words, the the, the Paul's writing is it, writing here. He's saying, you know what? Justice is going to come for all this unjust persecution that you're receiving because of your faith. So, God will repay those who persecute you believers because you're sticking to Jesus. You're you're standing in your faith. So, justice will come. And we know that that's true. Paul wrote in Colossians 3.25, For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. So, right away here we see in verse 6 that Paul's saying, look, justice is going to come. God is just. He's a just God. And he's going to repay what you're going through right now. Then he goes on in verse 7 and he says, And to grant you relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us, because they're being persecuted too, Paul and his team, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angel. So he's saying here, well, relief from all this persecution is going to come when, when, when Jesus comes. Now, when he says here, he's saying, grant you relief. The word relief is like rest. It means wrestle, rest from that persecution, affliction, that suffering. And, and it's when, the, when is that going to be? It's when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven. And when is Jesus going to be revealed in all his glory? What's going to be and when he returns to this earth with the mighty angels and so when Jesus returns at his second coming and that talks about with the angels in Matthew 16 27 all glory in his angels that's when justice will be ultimately served remember Paul writes this letter because there's still confusion remember I theme: there there's still confusion about Christ coming and and some people are saying and they're teaching like well Christ already came Well, Paul's starting to clear things up by saying, well, you know, he hasn't come. Because, you know, when he comes, the persecution is going to stop. When he comes, he's going to take care of everything and bring justice. Uh, Paul's making it clear right now that, hey, when Jesus comes, he's going to stop all this, serve justice to the persecutors, and you will know it. You're going to know that justice is being served here. So, We understand this, right? At the end of the seven years of tribulation, Jesus Christ returns. He defeats the Antichrist, right? And then at that time, He's going to gather the Jewish believers, the tribulation saints together. And then Jesus talked about how in Matthew 25, He's going to separate the sheep from the goats, right? From the true and the false at that time. And He's going to bring them all together into His kingdom. But those who have persecuted the believers and the tribulation saints there, he's going to serve them justice. And so this is what Paul is talking about. What tomorrow brings is justice, for God is just, so the day will come when the Lord repays persecutors for their wrongs. That, that's what Paul's putting out here. And he's trying to bring comfort to these Thessalonians going through this, these persecutions. So what tomorrow brings is justice. And that's going to happen because God is a just God. So the day will come when the Lord repays persecutors for their wrongs. We understand that we, we we understand how God does bring justice to injustice when things aren't fair he 's going to bring things and right things I mean we we see this in the Bible. God does repay. I mean, think about Pharaoh, remember when he drowned all the male babies right because he didn't want the Jewish nation to grow. Well later, what happened at the Red Sea? His whole army, his whole army was drowned right when they tried to go through and get the Jews, and the sea covered them up. How about Haman? Remember Haman? Remember when he made gallows for Mordecai, right? And he he hated the Jews. He didn't like Mordecai. He wanted to get him and and get him hanged and everything. What happened in the end? Well, his whole evil plot to kill all the Jews, you know, was exposed. And he ended up hanging on the very uh, gallows that he made. Or think about David. I mean, uh, Daniel, excuse me. When Daniel was thrown into the, the lion's den, right? Because these, the advisors to King Darius, they, 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 they tried to trap him. They didn't like him. But in the end, they were thrown to the lions in the end. So we see God is just. And many times He repays the wrongs in the past. And so we can count on that. And that's what Paul is saying. We can count on God's justice to be served in the future, that's what tomorrow brings. God is just, and He's going to take care of all of this. So, have you been, today, maybe treated unjustly? Maybe you're being persecuted for what you believe and standing in, in your faith. Just know this, it will not go unnoticed. God sees it all. And one day, and it, it could be soon, it, it, I mean, it could be within our lifetime, but ultimately, in the end, when Jesus returns, Ultimately, he will bring justice to those who persecuted his children, his people. And that's the truth here. And Paul's trying to bring some comfort to the Thessalonians here. Maybe you come today and you feel like, well, maybe God has forgotten me and my affliction and, and all this injustice that's happening. But no, there is a set day when all of this will come together and God himself will serve that justice. And their day will come in that way. Just remember this. Just a little note here before I go on. It's not your job to avenge yourselves. Let that be for God to do in His way, His time, and His will. That's what you trust the Lord in. I mean, take a moment. Turn over to Romans to the left. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Romans 12, 19. Paul writes here, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. I mean, how many times something, someone does something to us and we feel it's unfair, we feel it's not right. And what do we do? We take that into our own hands. We take that and try and get our own vengeance or, or, or we try and get them back. Or we try, well, you do this to me, I'm going to do that to you. But Paul's saying, no, this is the Lord's job. We leave it to him. That's his job, not for us to do. And ultimately, God will take care of it all. Even if you don't see it right now. He is a just God. And He may do it within our lifetime or this time here on earth, but ultimately when Jesus Christ returns, He's going to bring that justice. You know what our job is? Look at what it says in the next verse here in Romans 12, 20. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with Good. That's our job. Our job is to give mercy. Our job is to give grace. Our job is to forgive. Our job is to give the love of Jesus. And if you think about it, and we're going to be seeing this in a moment, I wouldn't want to, even with my enemies, want to wish God's judgment on them. You know? So it's more like, hey, you know, I want you to know Jesus in that way. So that should be our heart. And that's, our job. So we can live in that way and with that attitude, because we know what tomorrow is going to bring. Justice will come. So future consequences to present choices. Number one, what tomorrow brings. Let's go to number two now. What judgment means. What judgment means. Now this is a, we're going to be covering verse 8 through 10 here, but let's take a look first at verse um, 8 and 9. So Paul goes on here, and he go, he's really connecting it to verse 7, but he says, "...inflaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God, on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus." they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might and stop right there so Paul goes on he's talking about when Jesus returns he's going to be revealed he's gonna everyone's going to see him for who he is and he's coming at the end at the end of the tribulation time it says in verse 8 in flaming fire now what is that talking about well when I think about the fire of God, there's two things. One is His holy presence, right? Remember, uh, the, the fire that came down in the tabernacle, you know, when Israel was in the wilderness, or the fire and the glory that came down the temple was built, or the fire at night that led, you know, protected the Israelites. I think about His presence, and when we think about that, we think about His pure, holy presence here, but not only that. What comes with that is his judgment. Many times in the Bible, fire speaks of God's judgment, His righteous judgment, His just judgment. But connect that all together. What we see here is holiness. So Jesus is coming in all of His pure holiness, and there cannot be sin in His in, before Him, right? And so with that will come this judgment. So inflaming fire, inflicting vengeance, the NLT translates that judgment on those now look who this judgment comes to. And in this, in this this these people are described in two ways. Number one, who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is really defining what an unbeliever is. What someone who who is not with God Someone who is not a Christian, I should say. We are believers as Christians in Christ, but unbelievers are those who, first of all, says who do not know God. The word know, it's it, it's a word that means ex, experientially knowing, like knowing, like in a relationship. So this is really talking about they don't have a relationship with God. That's the idea. People may know about God, but really not know God, like have this relationship. And then the second thing says, on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, the definition of unbeliever is one person who is a person who, who they don't have a relationship with God and it's because, you know why? Because they do, not, they do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, they don't believe, they don't embrace, they don't come to God through Jesus Christ to know him through the work of Christ. That's the gospel, right? Come to Jesus through the work. Not your own works, but his work. Through through faith, right? By grace. Faith in what he's done. And so these unbelievers, they don't have a relationship because they have not obeyed the gospel and come through the gospel. So those who reject Jesus and and reject having this relationship with God, which, remember, He made us to have a relationship with Him, they will suffer the consequences of judgment. And so, what is that? Well, verse 9, it says, they will suffer the punishment, and this is the judgment, of eternal destruction. What is that? This is the judgment of hell. Alright? I said in church. This is the judgment of hell. Now, Notice it says eternal destruction, right? It, is, it isn't just, oh, just some punishment and you go on. No, it's eternal. It's ongoing. And then he writes here in verse 9, Away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. Think about what heaven is really about. What is heaven? Heaven's really about being in the presence of God. It's about spending eternity with God, the one we love. I mean, heaven is not heaven without God. So hell is really being away. The word away here means like exclude. It means to separate. It means to banish. Like Adam and Eve were, were banished from the garden. So these unbelievers, they will not be able to enter into the eternal life of heaven, but they go into the eternal destruction, which is hell. So they will suffer the consequences of judgment and eternal life in hell, not heaven. Now, you know, some say, hey, how can a God of love send people to hell? How, how can they be if God is God of love? And so they, it's hard to reconcile that. God is love, but then there's hell? God punished? Ah, oh, no, you guys are crazy. You talk about this. And, and, and so they try and take hell out of that equation to make some logic in their mind. And, and, and they make it like, well, no, God won't do that. Or they say, oh, it'll just, no, when, when we pass, you know, without Jesus, you don't go in there. You just kind of cease to be. And, and that's what the Jehovah's Witness believed. Well, let me say this. First of all, it is true God is love. It's true. that that That's a, one of His main attributes, right? God is love. But it's also true God is holy. And in that pure holiness, in that flaming fire, He is also righteous. He is also just too. He has to judge sin, because he's a just God. He's righteous, he's holy. He cannot just turn turn his head and, you know, just bury it, right? If any judge did that, that he would not be a righteous judge, right? He wouldn't be a just judge. He has to do that because he is holy. So, God is love, but he is holy, and that means he is just and righteous also. And And secondly, I think we have to put in our minds that God does not send anyone to hell. I mean think about it. A person makes that choice. The person makes that choice to reject Jesus. Like what what did it say here in verse 8? Well it's on those who do not know God. They 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 didn't want to have a relationship with God. They made that choice. God made it available for us to have a relationship with God, but we're the ones who make the choice not to want that relationship. And secondly, verse 8 said, they don't obey the gospel. God puts out this gospel, sent His Son, made a way for us to be saved for that sin issue to be taken care of on the cross, to be forgiven and made righteous so we can go to heaven. So, God doesn't send people there. People make the choice to not have their relationship and to not... Receive Jesus, but reject him. And then God, in his pure holiness, has to put forth justice because he is righteous, because he's holy. That's, that's what he has to do. But people have made that choice. They rejected Jesus. In John 1, 10 through 11, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And then verse 11, that chapter says, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. I remember uh, uh, Don Stewart, Pastor Don Stewart says, that's the saddest verse in the Bible. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. So, God, being holy, has to put forth that judgment. And then verse 10, here in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1 It says, And when he comes in that day, which is the day of the Lord, which is at the end of the tribulation when Jesus Christ comes in his second coming, to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who believe, because our testimony to you was believed. So Paul's saying, On that day when Christ returns, all the believers, we're going to be amazed. We're going to go, yeah, whoa, yeah. And everything that we believed, everything that we held on to, everything that the Apostle Paul taught, yeah, and the other apostles, what we have in our Bible, it's all going to come together. It's all going to come to pass, and we're going to see including that judgment. And b- the believers are going to be witnessing God fulfilling what his word says. It's what he says is all going to come to pass. What believers held on to, were persecuted for, that truth in Jesus, all of it will finally be realized when Christ returns. And that's the idea here. Paul's saying, you guys, yeah, judgment's going to come upon them. No, God is just, but you guys don't know that, hey, when it all comes in the end, when Jesus Christ Comes. You're going to be amazed. You're going to be like, whoa, yeah, what we held on to, what we believe is coming to pass. And that's what we hold on to, the truth of Jesus, knowing these real issues of heaven and hell. But we're going to see it all come together. Turn over to, the, uh, to your right. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. 1 Peter now. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus even was talking, as you're turning, I was thinking about, I think it was in John, uh, towards the end, about how, you know, uh, he was saying, you know, blessed are those who, who 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 believe, you know, even when they don't see, you know, kind of thing. So Peter, along with that line, if you see in First Peter, chapter 1, verse 8, he writes, though you have not seen him, that's Jesus, you love him. Though you do not, now see Him, you believe in Him, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. So Paul saying, right now, you know what? You don't see, but you're going to be seen. All of this come together. And so what judgment means is what God has said will come to pass and both unbelievers and believers will be eternally affected. What God said will come to pass and both unbelievers and believers will be eternally affected. You know, one time um, years ago, we're talking the same subject and someone came up to me after service and commended me saying, well, I, I, you know, for, for saying the word hell in church. They're like, oh, yeah, right on, Pastor Rick, you're talking about hell, you know, all that. Because, you know, not a lot of people like to talk about hell. It's not the most pleasant subject, right? Oh, I, oh by the way, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, but hey, God bless you guys. But we're going to talk about hell today, you know. It, it, it doesn't flow very well here, right? But, but know that, you know, I mean, some people don't like to do that, but, but know that this, this is where we are at right now. It's, it's not like um, I, I thought this week, well, you know, and I was look, thinking about people in, in church, you know, today we're going to talk about hell. And when I talk about hell, I'm going to stare at them really hard, you know. No, it's not that. It just happens to be what we're, we're in as we go through this book verse by verse. So, you know, don't think that oh, what, what's wrong with Pastor Rick, you know? there's Something happened this weekend. He's like all angry. And, no, it's, it's not that at all. And even with the Lord, it, you know, it's not that He, he um, wants to come down on us and all that. But it's the reality, right, of the future. It's the reality of things, of, 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 of godliness and sin, of who God is. He's holy. Yes, He's loving, but He's holy too. And in the end, He has to judge sin. But when, he, when we come to passages like this, and, we're, and this subject is brought up, it, it's really, to me, God reaching out to everybody and saying, look, this is the reality. I'm warning you. I love you. Take Jesus now. Yeah? Take, go to Him and in faith, believe in what He's done on the cross because God, He loves us. He loves you. He doesn't want you to spend eternity in hell. No, he does not want you to perish, right? 2 Peter 3.9. That's his desire. So understand that this is not intended yet to be some hell hell and fire message, you know, but it's just the reality of what is coming and it's put in front of our faces because of what it says here. Jesus talked about hell. He talked about hell being a place of torment and suffering, so it's it's not like oh it's you guys, you Christians, you guys talk about things. No, it's 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 what the book says, it's what the Bible says, yeah, and this is God's word. But please take this as God reaching out in love to you, wanting to warn you, and hopefully save you from what's coming in the future. So don't turn off your ears. Maybe you're connected online, you're watching this, you know, and you hear, oh, the word hell, oh click. You know, let's let's go find someone else. Yeah. No, I'm just sharing what's in the word. So don't turn off your ears. Don't turn off the stream just because you heard the word hell. But understand God is wanting to save you. And Jesus died on the cross to save you from hell. And sometimes, right, Things don't sound that loving. Sometimes it's hard to take some stuff, you know, with this reality, but it really is a loving thing to do. I was, I I came across, I was reading the story about a Christian doctor who tried to share Jesus with a woman who denied the reality of that future judgment. So she would say, Well, God loves me too much to condemn me, so I cannot see God making a place such as hell. Well, later on, this woman became sick with cancer, and this operation was necessary to save her life. So the same doctor was trying to talk to her, and, and you know, she had told him, ah, I don't believe it now. Well, the doctor told her this, trying to help her with this concept. The doctor said, I'm not so sure I really want to operate. I love you too much to cut into you and give you pain. It's not easy. I can't do this. Well, the woman replied, saying, What? If you really love me, you would do everything possible to save me. How can you allow this awful thing to remain in my body? So then the doctor taught, explained to her and, and showed her that, like cancers to the body, so is sin to the world, and you must deal radically with it. So he was saying, Just as a doctor cannot love, health without dealing with the disease, so God cannot love righteousness without judging sin. In other words, there's hard things we got to hear and deal with, and that's what God is doing here. And every time you, you, you see all this stuff about the reality of heaven and hell, you know what? We have to hear it. We have to understand it because we have to deal with there's a future coming. There's a future coming for every single person. And the only way to have eternal life in heaven and not the eternal destruction, right, in hell, is Jesus Christ. That's the only way. That's what God has set in here. That's the only way to have that relationship with God. That's the only way for your sins to be taken care of. So hear this today. And I say this, it's not the most... Pleasant thing for me to talk about, you know, oh, Merry Christmas, don't go to hell, you know, kind of thing. But, but it's important because it's real. So if you've never given your life to Christ in the way where you get to know God and come close to Him, where your sins are really taken care of, where you understand that you cannot do anything to atone for your sins, it's Jesus who's done it all. And we put our faith and believe in Him in that way. That's, how you have salvation and the future in heaven. So hear my heart, hear you guys. Hear my, hear my heart, you guys are connected online. Jesus died on a cross for you because he loves you and he wants you to come to him right now in this way because this future is coming. And I believe it's, it's sooner than we think. So, God is reaching out with love to show you, you know, what? there's future consequences to present choices. So, we've seen what tomorrow brings, what judgment means, and then lastly now, what matters now, what matters now. Number three, and we're going to take the last two verses of this chapter here. First of all, verse 11. Paul then writes, To this end... We always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So he says to this end that judgment is coming for those persecutors and that you will find relief and be delivered. And you'll see all this, all his word, everything you believed in come to pass. To this end now, Paul's saying, you know, we pray for you guys. We pray that, that God would make you, or the NLT talks about, enable you to be worthy of His calling. What is that? To live up to who you are in Jesus. Who God says you are, like we we're seeing this morning. To, to enable you to live that life for Jesus, of His calling, that you may fulfill every resolve for good. Everything that God has resolved for you to live, to do, to do to be, to accomplish here as you stand for Jesus, even in the persecution, even in the times you want to give up and, ah, forget it, Lord, I, I, I can't do this with this person or I can't keep going. Even in that, God is enabling you to fulfill that every result for good and for every work of faith by his power. And I love that thought because What we do is a work of faith. It's believing in what Christ is doing in our lives. And sometimes we have to have faith in God that He's going to work that out, that He's going to strengthen us, that He's going to get us through, no matter how hard it is. And that's that work of faith in our lives and even in others in what they would see. So in all of this, with this day approaching, Paul is like, hey, be motivated. Keep going. Live up to who you really are in Jesus. In light of what's coming in the future. Warren Mersby said, We must never neglect a present responsibility because of a future hope. On the contrary, the future hope must encourage us to be faithful today. We know what's coming. We understand that. We believe in that. And that's why we stand and and take the hits and suffer the persecution. And I'm talking about not just the world, but the devil himself. And we're going to keep going because we know what's in it for him too. Right? We know that. And so that encourages us to be faithful today. Then in verse 12, he adds this. Paul says, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, we're not perfect and the grace is there. Praise God for that. But I love, Paul says, you know what? And we're here, we're here so that the name of Jesus would be glorified in us, yeah? And in him also. That God would be glorified in the end because we hold on, we stand, we keep going, even times of attack from Satan, attack from his demons, even from the persecution of the world and people around us. In the end, we do this so God would be glorified. I like uh, 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 what Jesus said, in Matthew five sixteen he said, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So Paul's like, Let today, right now, this is what matters right now. Live your life in a way that God is glorified by how your faith is translated into action. Live your life in a way that God is glorified by how your faith is translated into action. The injustices, they'll be taken care of. No worries about that. Don't let your flesh be caught up up in that. But you know what? You be who you are in Christ. And let the name of Jesus be glorified in how you live, your attitude, how you carry yourselves, how you approach things. Let the name of Jesus be glorified. That's what matters. Be glorified and you live out who you are in Christ. You know, I was thinking about how um, years ago my oldest son was, was a small boy. Um, um, I went up to check on the boys, you know, and, and um, my oldest son was still awake. You know, I went into the room. And he was still awake, and I'm like, hey, you got to go to sleep. And you know what he told me? I'll never forget. He said, I want to go to sleep, but my mind won't stop thinking. You know? (laughs) I thought, oh, yeah, okay, I understand. It's like me sometimes. But I was thinking about that because I think we can live like that. We keep thinking, but not doing what we should be doing. We keep oh yeah yeah sounds good pastor yeah yeah you know I like what you say last week yeah yeah even today yeah yeah but but we don't do but understand you guys we have consequences too as believers understand this world will end and the Bible says what the Bible says will come to pass we need to be aware of that reality too and. And, and sometimes I was thinking about that, you know, my emotions and feelings and things happen. It can overwhelm me and it takes control, you know, of me. And I, and I think about it this way. It's like, oh, yeah, oh you know, you, 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 you start, you, you know, your feelings and what you're upset about or hurt about starts taking control. And, and I feel like they coordinate with that anger and that hurt and, and, and they start, yeah, yeah, you know. And you know what that does? It leads me to make choices that aren't good. To say things that I shouldn't say. To feel things even that I shouldn't allow and they're not of God. And then it's like, I feel like it's this trap, right? It's set in doing what the sinful flesh wants to do. But you know what helps me a lot of times? One of the things that helps me is what we're talking about today. Is to remember there's consequences to my choices. Do I really want to say that? I mean, it helps to stop. Wait, before you say it, oh, how's this going to go when my wife hears that? Yeah. Oh, it's not going to be a good day. Yeah. Or before you do something in anger. Yeah. I think it's good for us to stop and think about the consequences to the choices that you're feeling like you want to make. And maybe that helps me to stop and think and go, no, I don't want to take that role. I know, I've done it before. I know what it's like. No, I'm going to even take how I'm feeling, the hurt, the anger maybe even, and submit that all to the Lord. Give it to Him. God, if there's injustice, I'm going to leave it to You. And I'm going to obey You and trust You even if it hurts. Even if it's painful. Even if it means more suffering. That's the way to do it. Because I know, if I make this choice, the consequences are bad. And let me tell you, when you do that, you know what? You know what you're reflecting? God in your life. You're showing that there's something different about me. It's Jesus. And you're glorifying the name of Jesus. And that you're showing that you are a child of God. And that's what reflects out. And then you're showing who you really are. By that choice that you make. In the moment, in the heat of the battle going on inside you, in your mind. And you do what's right. Coach John Wooden once said, there is a choice you have to make in everything you do. So keep in mind that in the end, the choice you make, makes you. I like that. I want my choices to reflect who I am. So think, think about this as we close up. Life is a series of decisions. Every day, right? Every day, your life is made up of these choices and decisions that you make. There's hundreds of them every day, right? So how are you going to make that choice? I think the most important decision in all of our decisions is will my life be based on Jesus, on the Word of God, on who I am in Christ. I'll close with this story. I don't know if you guys heard of um, uh, Luciano Pavarotti. He's a famous uh, tenor, uh, opera singer. And he was talking about how his father had urged him to work very hard, develop his voice. He, when he was growing up, he trained with a, a, a teacher there in Italy. And then he went on to uh, college, and he got a degree in music education. Well, when he graduated, he came to a crossroad in his life. And he asked his father if he should be a teacher or if he should be a singer. Luciano, the father, replied, If you try to sit on two chairs, you will fall between them. I like that. For in life, you must only choose one chair. And we know he chose to sing and became very famous because of that. Well, I think that's the question today. You must choose Jesus or not. That's what it comes down to. There's no in-between. So make your choice, keeping in mind, that there's future consequences to those present choices. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Your word is so rich, God, and even if there's things maybe a little uncomfortable, God, or maybe things that maybe we've rejected, but now see clearly that, Lord, there is consequences in the future. There is a eternal destruction is written right here, and it's real and it's true. But God, we also see the reality that you love us and you made provision so we would not end up there. But that our future can be a future of hope, knowing that there is a heaven, an eternal life, and not just to go to heaven, but to be with you forever. Because Lord, this is what it's about. A relationship with you, to know you, to love you, to be close to you, to be deeply connected to you and God I thank you for that and so Lord I pray for us today that with all of this in mind it would it would energize us God to live for you Jesus knowing that your word is true and the reality of things God is that you will come one day and you will bring justice Lord but we want to be on the right side of the line Lord but even more than that we want to live for you today that your name will be glorified, God. We know it's real. We know it's the reality of things, God. So wake us up today, Lord. Sometimes we get too connected and lost into the world and we forget about the reality of what's really true, what really matters, and that's you, Jesus, and the life we live for you. So thank you, God, for your word. May we live it out by your strength In your way, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.